RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines from the former lawmaker appeals his conviction for assaulting the former chief executive. Foreign domestic workers seek a rise in the minimum wage while the Confederation of Trade Unions attacks government officials over their treatment of elderly cleaners and the death toll from a powerful earthquake in Indonesia rises to more than 90. The news. Former lawmaker Wong Yuk Man has begun appealing his conviction for assaulting the former chief executive, C.Y. Leung, four years ago. He was sentenced to two weeks in jail for throwing a glass in the LegCo chamber. He told the appeal court that Mr. Leung must have lied when he said he could hear the glass shattering as it fell some distance away from him. Mr. Wong said video footage showed Mr. Leung didn't look towards the glass when it landed. The judge asked whether it was still considered assault if someone didn't express shock at the time of the incident. The prosecution said it was. The hearing is scheduled for four days. The Court of Appeal has blasted a prisoner for appealing against his jail sentence for conspiracy to defraud the Correctional Services Department, saying the appeal should never have been made in the first place. Jimmy Choi reports. Chan Yi Lab was sentenced to 11 months in prison last month for conspiring with several people, including a CSD instructor and three other prisoners, to arrange jail visits by fake relatives and friends. The imposters visited Tongfuk Prison between 2013 and 2014 to withdraw prisoners' money being held by the CSD so they could help the prisoners settle debts they owed Mr. Chan. Handing down the reasons for rejecting the appeal, the Court of Appeals said the lower court had handed down an extremely lenient sentence for a serious offence, taking into account that Mr Chan had failed to plead guilty at an early stage and had failed to surrender into custody in 2017. It also said that using a 12-month jail term as a starting point for sentencing had very likely not sufficiently reflected the seriousness of the offence. The court added that the appeal should not have been filed at all if the applicant had given his case careful thought. Health officials say a subsidised screening programme for bowel cancer isn't for people who already show symptoms of the disease. From today, people aged 61 or more can have a stool test at a low cost or even free at some 680 clinics. Dr Regina Ching from the Centre for Health Protection expressed concern that people with symptoms of colon cancer might delay treatment while waiting to be screened. A screening programme uses a screening test which is not a diagnostic test. It cannot confirm or otherwise, whether that person already has a colorectal cancer. That's why if people already have symptoms, such as they have bleeding from the rectum, or they have abdominal discomfort, or changes in bowel habits, say for example constipation alternating with diarrhea for a significant period of time, then they should at the first instance go and see a doctor. Migrant domestic workers are calling on the government to increase their minimum wage and to make a commitment to punish exploitative agencies. A survey of about 1,000 Filipino migrant domestic workers by migrant worker advocacy groups found that 35% of their their monthly income, about $2,400, was going towards repaying loans and agency fees. That's about $2,000 more than the maximum that agencies are allowed to collect under Hong Kong law. Dolores Baladares from the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body said enforcement is part of the problem. How many is being put in the court or in, in jail for collecting illegally or overcharging the domestic workers? And I think uh, for Hong Kong itself, they should be more on not only cancelling licenses of the agency because they keep on giving press releases that this agency's license has been revoked, but how many has been put in jail? How many have paid penalty for their criminal offences to the migrant workers? 
Around 100 cleaners in Kwantong have held a protest at Shui Wall Street Market to urge the Food and Hygiene Department over working conditions. Lee Chok Yan, the General Secretary of the Confederation of Trade Unions, says employees are held to their contracts in extremely hot weather conditions and aren't allowed to start work earlier, calling this inhumane. He said he's also concerned that the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department may seek to fire elderly workers. He says he wants officials to meet with the contractor and cleaners' representatives to resolve the issue. We hope that the department can be more humane in their management and their demand for their work. There should be negotiation from the food and hygiene department with the workers and the union on how to improve their working condition and to reduce their hardship. Around 10 protesters have urged the Secretary of Justice, Theresa Cheng, and the Secretary for Transport and Housing, Frank Chan, to step down to take responsibilities. They demanded, they demanded Mr Chan apologise and resign for the Chartin Central Link scandal. They also called on the Chief Executive, Carrie Lam, to ask Ms Cheng to step down over the illegal structures in her properties. Disaster agency officials in Indonesia say the number killed in a powerful earthquake on the holiday island of Lombok yesterday has risen to more than 90. Hundreds of people suffered head injuries and broken bones in the magnitude 7 quake, which was also felt on the neighbouring island of Bali. The BBC's Roger Walker reports. Tourists and residents fled screaming in panic as buildings shook and cracked after the seven-magnitude quake struck at a depth of 10 kilometres. Thousands gathered in emergency shelters in open spaces as aftershocks continued. The authorities urged people to stay away from coastal areas, but an official tsunami warning was later cancelled. It's the second earthquake to hit Lombok in a week. Fifteen people died in the first quake. The U.S. Secretary of State has promised America will enforce the sanctions it's reimposing on Iran this week. Mike Pompeo told journalists the sanctions were an important part of what he called U.S. efforts to push back against Iranian malign activity. He said details would be announced by the White House tonight. Saudi Arabia has accused Canada of interfering in its internal affairs. It says it's expelling the country's ambassador and has frozen business ties with Ottawa. The Saudi news agency said Riyadh's envoy to Ottawa is also being recalled. The BBC's David Bamford reports. Saudi Arabia says it is freezing all new trade and investment transactions with Canada and is declaring its ambassador persona non grata. The moves follow a statement last week by the Canadian Foreign Ministry criticising the arrest in Saudi Arabia of women's rights activists, including the Saudi-American human rights campaigner Samar Badawi. She was arrested a week ago and has been one of several people targeted by the Saudi authorities for calling for an end to the kingdom's male guardianship system. Police in the U.S. city of Chicago say at least 59 people have been wounded in shootings across the city since Friday in what's been an unusually violent weekend in the city. At least eight people were killed. On several occasions, gunmen fired into crowds. A paramedic described Chicago as a war zone. The police chief, Fred Wallace, said some of the shootings were related to gang violence. We're working super hard out here to try to reduce this violence. But what we have, and when it's very hot outside, where we have uh, multiple areas with crowds, 150, 200 people at these areas. Once an incident occurs, an offender or some type of rival gang sees a large group of people, they take advantage of that opportunity and they shoot into a crowd, no matter who they hit. 
President Trump has declared wildfires raging across California to be a major emergency and ordered federal aid for the state. He was responding to a request from the governor, Jerry Brown. Thousands of firefighters have been deployed, tackling blazes which have been spread by high temperatures and strong winds. A number of states, including Utah, are facing similar fires. Here's the BBC's Chris Buckler. In California alone, more than a thousand aircraft and fire engines are being used in the attempt to bring the fires under control. But it's proving extraordinarily difficult. The Mendocino complex fires north of San Francisco now cover a sprawling area more than two-thirds the size of Los Angeles. But declaring this a disaster will mean extra money to help those who have lost their homes and businesses. And that number continues to grow. Swiss police say, uh, I'm sorry, Swiss police say all 20 passengers and crew were killed when a World War II aeroplane crashed into a mountainside. A police spokesman told a news conference that the aircraft, a Junker 52, was on a sightseeing flight when it came down on Saturday. Speaking at a news conference, Daniel Necht from the Swiss Transportation Safety Investigation Board said a full investigation would take time as the aircraft didn't have a black box. Aufgrund des Based on the situation at the crash site, we can say that the aircraft smashed into the ground almost vertically at relatively high speed. The exact cause is still to be investigated. What we can rule out at this point is there wasn't any collision with another aircraft nor with an obstacle such as a cable. The Venezuelan government says six people have been arrested for involvement in an apparent assassination attempt against President Nicolas Maduro on Saturday. The interior minister said the six were part of a group that loaded two drones with explosives and set them off above the presidential stand during a military parade in Caracas. Mr Maduro blamed Colombia and Venezuela's opposition. Venezuela's defence minister Vladimir Padrino Lopez said that military would not allow Mr Maduro's government to be toppled. No Did you really think it would be easy to come out and install a government? No, we are resolute and determined to defend our homeland, our constitution, our democracy, our institutions, our people, to defend our constitutional president of the Bolivian Republic of Venezuela. To finance, and HSBC says interim profit rose 2.5% to more than 7.1 billion US dollars from the first six months of last year. During the period, profit before tax rose 4.6% to more than $10.7 billion, in line with market expectations. More than 87% of the pre tax profit came from Asia. Rising global interest rates have benefited the bank. Its interest income jumped 9.6% year on year to 15.1 billion US dollars. Operating expenses rose to 17.5 billion US dollars up 7% from a year earlier, primarily reflecting investments in technology. HSBC's chief executive, John Flint, says first-half performance was in line with the bank's expectations. And power company CLP has posted a 26% rise in first-half profit to more than $7.4 billion, thanks to significantly higher earnings from businesses in the mainland and Australia. Earnings from electricity businesses in Hong Kong rose 3.2% to almost $4.5 billion. CLP says it expects the approval process to build an offshore LNG terminal near the Soko Islands will complete in the next in the coming months. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 111.33 yen, the euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 15 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 19 cents. 
A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 27,760. That's 80 points up on the previous close. Turnover stood at $45.2 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. We start with football. Sergio Aguero scored both Manchester City goals as the English Premier League champions beat the FA Cup holders Chelsea 2-0 to win the Community Shield at Wembley Stadium. After the game, City boss Pep Guardiola gave credit to his players for the way they adjusted to sweltering conditions in London. It's so complicated play with this heat, so complicated. So they should think a little bit with the players, you know, play a little bit later, five, six. Kyle Walker make three training sessions, you know, after a demanding season, the previous season, World Cup. But at the end, they don't, you know, they don't count too much with the players. For me, it doesn't matter because I don't run, I don't play. But for the players, should be a little bit more attention because it's so demanding. As for Chelsea, their new manager, Maurizio Sarri, who's been in charge for less than a month, says there's a lot of work to do. We have to improve to, on the defensive phase, especially on the other half, I think, so the, the, the defenders can, can play with less pressure. Today for the defenders was a very difficult game. To golf now, England's Georgia Hall won her first major title with a two-shot victory at the Women's British Open at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's. The 22-year-old is only the third British winner since the event became a major championship in 2001. Trailing Pornagon Putlam by a shot overnight, Hall moved clear of the tie player with two holes remaining and held her nerve to secure victory. shot myself a little bit, but you know how calm I stayed and... Um, you know, I parted really well today, I parted well all week, and that was kind of the reason why I won it. Your first tour-level victory is a major victory. Hey, uh, what, what are your emotions? Well, this is kind of a tournament I wanted to win um, growing up, and, you know, this is the most important one for me because it's British Open and I had my family here, and uh, to actually win it now by, I think, like, two shots is just incredible. That's Georgia Hall speaking with the BBC's Ian Carter. Her dad, Wayne, is her caddy, and he gave his daughter a huge embrace when the final putt went in. Dream come true. Um, we, we've been dreaming this since she was seven years old. I'm um, practicing, pretending to knock in putts to win the British Open, and it's actually happened. Mm. And this is the, the biggest tournament for her and for us, and uh, we really, really went for it after last year's third. We thought we'd go for this one, and it's paid off brilliant. Elsewhere in golf, the American Justin Thomas has won the Bridgestone Invitational in Ohio by four shots for his third PGA Tour title this season. He never let anyone closer than two shots and closed with a one under par 69 to win. Thomas is just a week away from defending his PGA Championship title in Missouri. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. A former lawmaker appeals his conviction for assaulting the former chief executive. Foreign domestic workers call for a rise in their minimum wage, while the Confederation of Trade Unions criticises government officials over their treatment of elderly cleaners, and the death toll from a powerful earthquake in Indonesia rises to more than 90. The news from RTHK. Soak you out, bring me out, make me try a hundred times just to turn me down, just to turn me down. A little time, 